you would go with me to the book of Mark, chapter number 3. The book of Mark, chapter number 3. And as you are turning there, we're going to begin with verse number 1. And I give honor to Pastor and Sister Johnson in, in his and their absence today. Pastor, as you know, we've been praying for him. He was ministering in Greece this past week um, there for times of refreshing with Pastor Elias Limones. And this is uh, one of the few times that they've done a conference I don't believe it is the first time, but I believe it's one of the first times that they have done this as a conference. And so they were going and being a blessing there to that region and that area. And so our prayers are with them as they'll be traveling back this week. Mark chapter number three. And before we begin reading, we're going to be reading one through six. And we're not going to go in these verses, but I just want to share this with you. Because this is the same account in the gospel of Matthew, the gospel of Mark, and the gospel of Luke. And so these disciples are writing the account under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, but they are also present. And so what we are reading from is going to be Mark 3, 1 through 6. But if you want to, just this week, uh, if you want to look through a different lens and different perspective, you'll be able to see, and I'm going to share this with you. You don't have to go there on the screen, Zoe. But Matthew chapter number 12, 9 through 14. For those that are taking notes, Matthew 12, 9 through 14. And Luke 6, 6 through 11, that is where they are writing their account of the same story that we are reading right now. And so uh, the reason why I'm sharing that is when you get into the Word of God and we talk about perspectives and everyone has different personalities, you can see that. Mark is writing about this story and he's including some details. And Matthew writes in the story and he includes some details. And Luke writes about this story and he includes these details. And you'll see that throughout the Gospels. You'll see that. And I want to encourage you as you're getting into the Word of God, as I mentioned last week, you don't have to rush through it. You don't have to just try, I want to see how many pages I can get. No. Take time. Slow down. Let the Word get inside of you. Let the Word get inside of you. And there's going to be many things that all of us, when we're reading, we say, I don't really understand. Why did they do that? Why did that happen? There's nothing wrong with taking time and getting into the Word of God. And there's nothing wrong with having questions about the Word of God. There's nobody here that has mastered it all. There's nobody here that has learned it all and, and, and can teach about everything. We are all learning. We are all growing. And that's why we come together in this opportunity. Amen? Mark chapter number 3, 1 through 6, it says this. And this is the New King James Version. And he, talking about Jesus, entered into the synagogue again. We'll just say he, he entered into the church again. And a man was there who had a withered hand. So they, listen, this is the Pharisees. Now this is the religious sect of people. These are the traditional. Uh, these people were of their own opinion. They were so caught up in the law and so caught up in tradition that as Jesus began his ministry, they would follow him trying to find reason Trying to find, yeah, somebody said haters, yeah. They, they were so caught up in tradition, they would try to find any reason that they possibly could to point to the fact that he is not who he says he is, that he cannot be the Messiah, and he is not. And so everywhere he is going, they were following him, and this is speaking of them. So they watched him closely. Whether he could heal him on the Sabbath, so they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. And he said to them, he looks back at the Pharisees and those that were there. 
He says, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? Is it lawful to save life or is it lawful to kill? But they kept silent. And two more verses, verse number five. And when he had looked around at them with anger, somebody say, Jesus gets mad. Being grieved by what? The hardness of their hearts. He said to the man with the withered hand, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out. And his hand was restored as whole as the other. Verse number 36. Then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. With the help of the Lord for the next few minutes on this Sunday morning, I want to speak to you on this very simple thought. Step forward. Step forward. I know we've worshiped together and we sang together one more time as we go into the word of the Lord. Would you help me? Would you pray with me together that we would be receptive to what God is wanting to say through his word this morning. Would you pray with me? Lord, we're thankful today that you have entrusted us with your word. We're thankful, God, that you have allowed us this opportunity to gather together. And Lord, we know that your word can stand all by itself, and it does. But you have allowed us this opportunity to journey through this text, to journey through together. And Lord, I pray right now a special anointing upon your people. And Lord, I pray as you would anoint them, that you would anoint me, that you would remove error from my mind and from my mouth. God, we know and understand that it's only you that makes the difference. And today, God, we are praying for that difference to be made. In Jesus' name, we pray. Would somebody shout his name? You may be seated. Step forward. The story is unfolding what we have read, but just before we get to what we have read, Jesus and the disciples are making their way. They are walking through the grain fields on the Sabbath. The Sabbath began on Friday evening at sunset, and it would go to Saturday evening at sunset. That is when the Sabbath was. And Jesus is making his way with his disciples, and his disciples are making their way, and the Bible says that they were hungry, and they began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees are following them as they would many, many times. And they are complaining that they are eating from the grains, that they should not do anything on the Sabbath. And Jesus reminds them of what David did as he and his soldiers were hungry and they began to eat the showbread. And Jesus lets them know in verse number 28, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. He wanted them to know that what you are focusing on, you are missing some things. That as you are focusing on these things in tradition, you are missing some things about me. I want somebody to hold on to that for just a moment. Because it is often that we can get so caught up in things that we would miss him. We have to be so careful that we are not watching things so closely that we miss the point of what he is wanting to do in our lives personally. And from there it goes and it begins with what we read, that Jesus entered into the synagogue again. I want to say this for somebody so that we do not miss it. Jesus went to the synagogue 
often. It was a part of his day. It was something that he did consistently. It was something that he began as a child. It was something that continued over and over again. The church was not foreign to him. The church was where he spent time. The church is where he made his time, and it was valuable. And I want to say this today because the church is never something that you want to dismiss. Going into the synagogue was something that they did not take lightly. It was something that was a matter of great importance. And if Jesus can show us that, if Jesus can teach us that example, then that is one for us to follow. I don't ever want to dismiss going to the house of the Lord. I don't ever want it to be a pastime. I don't ever want it to be an option. I don't ever want it to be just something that I can choose and it's multiple choice. No, I want going to the house of God to be a priority. I want it to be something that I look to. I want it to be something my children have settled. I want it to be something that they have made up in their mind at a young age. This is what we do. It is not up for debate. It is not something that we can be talked out of. It is not something that other plans can make, make more important, be more important than. No, it is the church. It is the house of God. We are going to worship. We are going to learn. We are going to read the word. We are going to pray. That is something that matters. If I can today on this Sunday morning, can I tell you more than ever in the day and age that we live in, in the culture that we are surrounded by, do not do do not dismiss going to the house of the Lord. Do not treat it lightly. If there's ever a place that I'm going to be throughout the week, let it be the church. Let it be a time of prayer, a time of worship, a time to get into the word of God. I need that to be a priority in my life. And Jesus gives us this example as the Bible says that he goes into the synagogue again. I want to say this to you. He knew who was following him. He knew what they were saying. He knew the critics. He knew the challenges. He knew the personalities, Jeremiah, that would be present when he stepped into the building. He knew the difference of opinion that others would have that sat across from him. He knew the people that would look him up and down. He knew the people that would shake their head in disagreement and disgust even. He was well aware of that, but it did not stop him from going where he was wanting to go. I want to kindly encourage somebody on this Sunday morning that you cannot let the difference of opinion keep you home. You cannot let the difference of opinion keep you settled where you are. There's got to be something inside of you that if I know the priority of my life, I cannot be talked out of it. I cannot be looked down enough to keep me from it. I know there's going to be a different opinion. I know there's going to be different personalities. I know there's going to be different dynamics, but this is where I need to be. And he entered the synagogue again. And the Bible makes mention here. And there was a man who had a withered hand. This man, the Bible does not give great detail exactly of what had taken place. But it is obvious now as it is given this detail that he has a withered hand, that it was either deformed, that it was either paralyzed. We know this, that he had no use of that withered hand. And isn't it just something to take notice of that is how we are labeled by what is wrong with us. The Bible did not say, and there was a man 
who was there, who was happy, and who was kind, who had one good arm and two great legs and a wonderful head of hair and a beautiful smile. No, it didn't say all that. It said, and there was a man with a withered hand. And this is something to take notice of. It's what we are labeled by, our issue, our deformity, where we are paralyzed, if you would. And Jesus takes notice of it. Jesus is here and he enters into the synagogue and Mark immediately records, and there was a man there that had a withered hand. The disciple takes notice of it and he sees it. There is a man that has something wrong with him. And before we can move any further, before we can go into what God does as we read together, would you allow me to point out some things to you? This was a man that we would understand within culture and time that because of a withered hand, he could not provide like others would be able to provide. That he would not be able to do exactly what others were able to do. That his handicap, that his situation would limit him. It would restrict him. There were oftentimes no doubt that those that were religious, that those that were, that were caught up in tradition would look down at him and say he must be cursed by God. Look at the wrong that he's done somewhere in his life. Look at the wrong somewhere that his parents have done. Look at the issue that he deals with. He has no use of that withered hand. Things that he wanted to reach for, he couldn't grasp. Things that he wanted to communicate. Maybe there were times in which others were working and providing for their family, but he was constantly reminded, Jeremiah, I can't do what other people can do because of my condition. I love my family, but I am limited. I am restricted to be the man that I want to be because of my condition. He went through these moments, no doubt, where he thought as he seen people clapping, as he seen people shaking hands, some things that you and I would take for granted coming through the church, people patting on the back, but his withered hand, he would do his best to hide it. But his withered hand, I could just imagine in my mind's eye that he made sure that it came time to shake the visitor's hand and it came time to say hello to a friend, he made sure that he offered up his good hand. I'd like to hide what's wrong with me. I'd like to put away. I'd rather not anybody see it. I'd rather anybody not know. But if I can on this Sunday morning, before I continue to highlight what was wrong, would you allow me to highlight what was right with the man? Because though I may have a handicap, though I may not have the same use that you have, though you can do things better than I can do, Though you are more gifted and you have more resources and you have more available to you than I do, I want you to understand and know that this precious man with the withered hand didn't let his deformity, he did not let his issue, he did not let his, his situation be an excuse for him to stay home. I know I don't look like you. I know I don't have everything you have, but I've made up in my mind that I'm gonna show up to the church anyway. I know there's some things in my life that I'm not proud of. There's some things that I may try to hide. There's some things that I don't want anybody looking at, but I wanna make sure you understand and you know it's not gonna keep me from getting into the presence of God. I may have walked in with a withered hand, but it's not gonna 
keep me from worshiping. I need somebody to get a hold of it this morning. I know I may have walked in with a withered hand, but it doesn't have to keep me from putting one foot in front of another and continue going on. I know I may have walked in with a withered hand. I know I know there's some things I'm not proud of, but I can tell you this. It's not going to keep me. It's not going to stop me. It's not going to block me from being what I can be, from doing what I can do. He must be cursed. There must be something wrong in his family. Must be something wrong in his bloodline. Maybe there was, but there was plenty that was right about him because he didn't let his deformity, he didn't let his issue keep him from showing up to the synagogue that day. He had no guarantee. He had no guarantee that Jesus would heal. He had no guarantee that Jesus would be there, but he had already made up in his mind, yes, this is something that doesn't seem fair. Yes, this is something I'm not proud of. Yes, this is something I don't really enjoy talking about, but I've settled it and I've made up my mind. It's not gonna keep me from getting to the house of God. It's not gonna keep me from learning about his word. It's not gonna keep me from trying to get into his presence. It's not gonna keep me from being faithful. Yes, there's a lot wrong in my life. Life. Yes, there's some things I'm not proud of. Yes, I showed up to church with a withered hand, but I want them to know I showed up. I showed up. There's a lot in life that will not be perfect. There's a lot in life that we will not be proud of. But can I tell somebody, put one foot in front of another and keep showing up. Keep showing up. I know there's things you're not proud of. I know it's withered and it's sad and at times you're lonely with it. But I want you to know, keep showing up. And the Bible says that the man with her withered hand was there. But notice what the religious do, this is what the Bible says, that they watched him closely. They were watching, not the man with the withered hand, they were watching Jesus closely. So I, 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 let's break this down for just a minute. They take the time to get dressed and go to church. They take the time to show up to the synagogue, but they have no intention of worshiping. They have no intention of learning the word. They have no intention of trying to grow. They have no intention of trying to help introduce somebody from where they are to where they could be. They have no intention of that. The Bible says they came and watched him closely. So it challenges me because it reveals something within human nature that if I'm not careful I can put myself in a dangerous position where I show up and I'm in attendance, but I'm watching him for the wrong reasons. Where I get dressed and I get ready, where I know the songs and I know the order of service, but I'm watching him for the wrong reason. These precious people that would come in hungry for God, these precious people that would walk in some that didn't, not everybody that had a sickness, not everybody that had a disease and need of a miracle was allowed in the temple. But these precious people that, that, that prioritized it would make their way. But yet there was people that sat in the building that would look them up and down saying, I, I can't do nothing with that. There ain't no hope for them. Ah, oh, they're too dirty. They're too messed up. They're too wrong. Mm. 
These Pharisees filled that synagogue watching Jesus to see if he would heal him. They had the wrong outlook. But I am so thankful that on this Sunday morning, I'm not preaching to Pharisees today. I am so thankful that on the corner of 7th and I Street in Modesto, California, I am preaching to people. I am preaching to people that are not filling a synagogue, that are not filling a church building, watching Jesus with the intention that he doesn't do something. No, I am preaching to people that I believe have walked into church one, that have walked in saying, what is God going to do today? I, I have a feeling on this Sunday morning that I am preaching to amazing people right here at Revival Church that have not walked in to judge what miracle God does, but they have walked in looking to see which one will he do today. Oh, I've come to preach to somebody today. If there's churches on every corner, then we need to make sure and understand this. We will not be a church that is an example of this synagogue where people are looking people up and down, saying, well, you, you don't deserve this. You don't deserve that. You know, you're not clean enough. There must be something wrong in your family. No, baby, there's something wrong in all of us. There's something wrong in all of us. But this is a place of healing. This is a place of redemption. This is a place of, oh, hear me. This is a place of forgiveness. This is a place of hope. This is a place where life Lives can be restored. Why are you preaching about this today? Because I want everybody that needs to know it today. This is a place where there is salvation. This is a place where you can be made cleansed. This is a place where hope lives. Can you imagine those Pharisees looking up and down? Yeah. Let's watch what Jesus does today. Let's watch what Jesus does today. No, I'm preaching to the amazing people of Revival Church. We must always be a place of worship where people feel welcome. I know you walked in with your withered hand. You don't have to be embarrassed about that. God healed mine. You, I, know you, I know you walked in with the limp today, but I want you to know, sir and ma'am, you don't have to be embarrassed about that because God healed mine. We will never be a church that's perfect. We will never be a church that has it all together because this is a place where anybody and everybody is welcome to experience the power of Jesus Christ. You don't come in, you don't come into this place having to go through an inspection. You don't come in this place because of the amount of money you make or you don't make. No, no. You have walked into a place that is watching him closely, but not, not with the intention that he doesn't do it. But walking in, we come with the faith that he will do it. <laughs> that he will do it. And I love, one of the many things I love about Jesus is that he picks up, obviously, on what these men and women are feeling and these men that have come to criticize and they've come to judge. He feels it. This is what the Bible says, that he became angry. We said it together when we read it, Jesus gets angry. But I want to highlight something. Because we feel like, okay, if God is saying, has anybody ever said that? You know, the Bible says, you know, be angry and sin not. I ain't sinning, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to respond. <laughs> I ain't sinning, but your boy's going to retaliate. I just got to tell you. <laughs> 
He said, do not, let your, do not let the sun go down upon your anger. I got some time left to do some stuff. <laughs> Plenty of time till the sun goes down. Meet me in the parking lot. Hope your car starts. Hope all your tires are there. But notice what God does with his anger, Michael. This is what the Bible says, that he became angry. Think about that for just a minute. We've all been in the presence of a parent, of a guardian, somebody we love and we respect. And when they get mad, they give that look. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You probably never got it, but your siblings got it. That look, instant disappointment. Upset. I can see, you, you got to think about this. Jesus, the eyes that see it all. He gets angry. I see him looking up and down those Pharisees. I'm pretty sure those Pharisees, they just tightened up the robe real quick. They looked away real quick. No eye contact. But notice what he does with his anger. He does get mad. He does get angry. He is displeased. Why? Because of the hardness of their hearts. Think about it. He came to do something for someone, and they're so caught up with tradition that they're missing the point. They're missing the point. Here's the law. Here's the tradition. He's saying, I'm above that. I am the Lord of it. I'm fulfilling it. I have come to save somebody. I have come to heal somebody. Don't miss what I'm trying to do in their life. But they're missing it, and he gets upset. His anger Jesus doesn't get angry, kick the table, throw a dove, and walk out. He doesn't do that. Now, I can't say what I would do in that moment. I may throw a dove or two. You get upset. And you say, man, I, they just made me upset. I'm sorry I was wrong, but they made me upset. But Jesus, Jesus gets angry. And then, Jeremiah, he pivots to a miracle. Okay, what are you saying? I'm not saying you're Jesus. And I'm not saying I'm Jesus. But he teaches us a lesson. That I could submit my emotions in such a way that they don't have to pivot to a negative. That my emotions don't have to force me to an exit. They don't have to force me to creating chaos. They can push me to the miraculous. Amen. Hear me today. Because though we get angry, though we get frustrated, those situations, it, those, we all can say this, emotions at times could lead us into chaos. Every, let me give you this example. We have all been in an argument before, but we'll call it a discussion. And they have said something, and you know you have all of the ammunition you have all of the ammunition. He said, I could light them up right now. And there's a party that says, you know what? I could just let it go. I can just apologize and walk out. But I feel like firing some shots today. We've all been there. We've all been there. But our emotions do not have to govern us. Jesus is angry. He's displeased. He's discouraged in how they're responding. But 
He doesn't let it end with the negative. He doesn't let it end with chaos. He says, okay, watch me work. You came to see something. You came to see what I would do. You made me mad. I'm not going to create chaos. I'm about to speak peace into somebody's life. I'm about to give hope to somebody today. I'm about to give life to somebody today. And that's what he does. Because notice, he looks at them up and down. He's upset. He's mad about it. And we read this together. And he looks and he, he asks them, is it, is, it, is it wrong? You know, I'm a Sabbath. Can I do good or evil to save life or kill life? And you know what? They have no answer. They have no answer. There's always going to be somebody to criticize you. There's always going to be somebody to criticize you. There's always going to be people literally that are following you, literally following you, to see what mistake you'll make, to see what will be said, to see what will be done. They're, they're not interested in you succeeding. They're not interested in your growth. But that cannot stop you. That cannot keep you. Stop waiting for the same people that misunderstand every move that you make in your life to govern your life. you got to stop with that. You've got to stop with that. Jesus looks at them, asks them a question. They can't answer it. He said, yeah, that's what I thought. Shh. I can see him just, shh. I can see the disciples in the back, too, being arrogant. Jesus, and Jesus obviously is Jesus. He's God. He's doing, he's doing his thing. He's silencing them. And I can see Peter and James like, got him. That's what you get. What you going to do now? I can see him. Shh. I can see him go, good night. And then, this is what God does. He gives them an opportunity, they're silent. And then this is what he does. To the one that has the condition, to the one that has walked in that everyone knows of his imperfection, Jesus looks at him, to the man with the withered hand, and says, step forward. Lord, you walked into the synagogue. You could talk to anybody you want. He could read anybody's mail. He could tell them everything he wanted to tell them. But you know who he spoke to? The man with the withered hand. Step forward. The one that doesn't have it all together, he said, come here. The one that, I understand your insecurity, step forward. I understand that I know the things that you've been battling mentally and emotionally. I know how drained you walked into service today. Step forward. I've seen the, 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 the tenacity. I've seen your willingness. I've seen the way that you approach things. Step forward. The one that doesn't have it together, yes, that's the one I'm talking to. In front of everybody in the synagogue. Y'all may think you got it all together. You may think you got it all together. You looked apart, Pharisee, but I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to him. Step forward. What are you saying? The very thing that most would say is the reason why you should stay away from the synagogue. The very thing that most would say you should stay away from the church. The, the very thing that most would look you up and down and say, mm, disqualified, sorry, can't make it. Nope, no good there. The very thing 
is exactly what God said. That's the introduction. Step forward. I need somebody to get this. The very thing that the enemy wants to tell you is the reason why you can't make it. The very thing that the enemy looks you up and down and says you can't do it. The very thing that the enemy says disqualifies you is the very thing is the very thing that God highlights today on this Sunday morning and says, step forward, step forward. I see the imperfection, step forward. I see what's wrong, step forward. You don't have to hide that. I saw that when I walked in. My disciple made mention of it from the very beginning because I came into the church looking for somebody with a withered hand. I came into the synagogue looking for somebody that didn't have it all together, but they came ready for a miracle. They came ready for me to do something in their life. You don't have to come to the church perfect. You don't have to have to, have to be here with everything all together. He is come today looking for you and he says step forward who are you going to give attention to Jesus if you can give attention to anybody who are you going to give attention to is it the one praying the loudest is it the one dressed the nicest is it the one that has the most money is it the one that has it all together no the one I'm talking to is the one with the withered hand the one I'm looking at the one that I'm making contact with is the one that walked into church with some struggles, with some battles, with some issues they're not proud of. And, and, and this is something that's been going on for a minute. But I walked in today and I'm ready to minister into their life. He calls. I'll be just a few more moments here this morning. He calls that man with the withered hand, step forward. And I could see that man a little bit embarrassed. I could see them just kind of, you know, with his hand in his pocket a little bit. See him walking forward. Seeing he's there. He can feel the judge, the judgy eyes. He can see the Pharisees. He knows it's the Sabbath. But I know what everybody else thinks. And I can see Jesus just looking at him, staring him in the face. Look at me. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I'm your deliverer. I'm your healer. I'm your savior. I'm, I'm the one that's going to be here. You can't worry about what everybody else is going to say. You can't worry about what everybody else is going to do, what everybody else is going to think. All I'm asking you to do is to step forward because I'm about to show you something. And he speaks. Now listen, this man is paralyzed as he steps forward. It, it, it is deformed. It is paralyzed. It is withered. There is no, there is no ability if he could do this, he would have done it. But as he steps forward to Jesus, this is the very words of Jesus. He looks at this man and he gives simple instruction. Stretch out your hand. Um, I could see him if, if I was him. Because Jesus didn't say your bad hand. He's like, stretch out your hand. I see him. He's hiding this one. Stretch out your hand. This is what I want people to see. This is my good hand. Stretch out your hand. Stretch it out. I'm comfortable with this. This is fine. This is limited. This has been restricted. This is embarrassing. This is a little humiliating. This is something I'm not proud of. Jesus knows the condition, 
and he gives the instruction anyway. Stretch out your hand. I want to speak to somebody right here in this moment. The instruction that God gives you, it may not make sense. If I could stretch out my hand, then why didn't I do it a long time ago? I can't do that. But something is different now. God is speaking to my life to stretch out past my limitation, past my former restrictions, past what I've grown up on, past what I've known all my life, stretching past the issues that I've dealt with, struggles and trials and difficulties, and he is speaking. I know it. What you woke up like that. I know it's been like that for so long, but today is different, and I'm telling you, stretch out your hand. This man, just a regular man like you and I, he simply takes the instruction and it's an act of faith as he begins, and I can see him as he opens up his hand and he begins to, muscles he didn't have there. Structure and substance he didn't have before. But at the word of Jesus, he begins to stretch out and the Bible says that his hand is as normal as the other because he began to act in faith according to the instruction of Jesus Christ. I have come on this Sunday morning to tell somebody today, come forward and stretch out your hand. I know you feel limited. I know you feel restricted. I know there's been some things that have been that way a long time, but I believe today in the miraculous power of Jesus Christ, and it is time to stretch forward. I know your thinking has been limited. Stretch forward. I know the things that you feel like you are capable of doing has been limited, but stretch forward. God has come on this Sunday morning as you stand with me, and he is speaking into somebody's life today. It's time you stretch. It's time you stretch. It's always been this way. This is something I've been embarrassed about for a long time. This is an, an addiction that I've had for a long time. But today, God is saying stretch. I know you're not proud of it. I know it's even embarrassing as we talk about it and it's highlighted today. But he's saying today, stretch out your hand, the thing that you're not proud of, the thing that you feel does limit you, the thing that you feel does. Today, God has compassion on you. Today, God has compassion. You see it all throughout the scripture. This man, yes, it was with a withered hand. But oh, it serves as a reminder today that you and I serve a God that wants to heal the broken. You and I serve a God that wants to heal those that are paralyzed spiritually and physically. That we serve a God that wants to make a difference in the lives of men and women that have walked in a certain way and he has seen you and he has taken notice of you. And though you feel like, well, this is something I want to hide, he says, no. You don't have to hide that in the church. You don't have to hide that in my presence. You don't have to hide that where I am. He says, step forward. Step forward. This is something I want to keep hitting. No, step forward because I'm about to do something in your life. Step forward because I want to heal you. Step forward because I want to bring salvation. Step forward because I want to change your life. Would you lift your hands all over the sanctuary this morning? Lord, you see and you know every name and every story. 
God, you know every issue and every circumstance. You know everything we're not proud of, everything that we struggle with. But Lord, today, the same way you walked in to that synagogue, I believe you walk into this place and you look for those, God, today that feel like maybe there's things they got to hide. Maybe there's things that they're not proud of. Maybe there's things that they've been restricted for some time. But today, God, you're instructing to step forward. Step forward with the insecurity. Step forward with the thing that you feel limits you. Step forward. Step forward. I know it already. I see it already. But I'm trying to get you to understand that I'm going to heal you today. I'm trying to get you to understand I'm going to heal you, sir, with the withered hand, things you're not proud of, maybe mentality and attitude, maybe something in your life. There's things that nobody else would know or see. But today, God is saying, step forward. I have come to speak into your life. Stretch. I know you, I know you have no strength there, but stretch. I know there's never been any movement or action there, but stretch. I know there's only been embarrassing moments and there's only been a reminder of what you cannot do before but today stretch your hand this morning some that are brand new some that have been in this a long time some with maybe there's things you're not proud of and things that maybe you're even insecure about but just like the man with the withered hand you showed up you put one foot in front of another and you showed up. And God has walked in. No, not the same synagogue, but God has walked in right here at Revival Church. And the same way Mark would write down, there's a man with the withered hand. There are men and women that have walked in with different needs, different things in their life, different situations. And today, that same Jesus has walked in and he doesn't want you to be ashamed. He doesn't want you to be afraid, but he comes with compassion. He comes with healing. He comes with strength. He comes with life. And today, there is hope. There is healing. There is life. And we're going to get ready to sing and we're going to get ready to worship together. But I want to invite you today to step forward. I want to invite you today to continue one foot in front of another. And as we take this time as a church, it's something we do. We come to this open area, this altar area as a, as a body together. And if you're new, say, well, why do we do that? This is time that we just set aside not distracted. You're welcome to pray where you sit. That's fine. But this is an opportunity that we come together and we lift our hands and we tell God today our response to his word. I'm not responding to a preacher. I'm not responding to a friend or a family member. No. Today I step forward to a God that is looking for me. Today I step forward to a God that knows what's withered in my life. Today I step forward to a God that knows what I'm insecure about, to a God that knows what I and my family are struggling with, to a God that knows what it is that I have dealt with, what it is that I've held to, what it is that has no strength, what it is that has no structure to it. But today I stretch. Today I stretch my hands Today I step forward. Areas of my life that no one else knows and no one else can speak to. But God on this Sunday morning has come to say, step forward. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. I know you're not proud of this and I know you're not proud of that, but step forward. I'll do a work in your life. Step forward. I'll give you strength where you haven't had strength. Step forward and stretch your hand 
You're moving past limitations. You're moving past what others said would, it would be. You're moving past what others said it had to be. You're moving past what statistics say. You're moving past what culture says. I'm stretching forward. I walked in with a withered hand, but I'm leaving whole. I'm leaving whole. As we sing and as we worship together, would you take this time? Would you take this time responding to a God that cares for you today? Revival Church family, would you find somebody to pray with today? There are people that want to be baptized today. There are people that just, just want somebody to pray over them. We're here as a church. We haven't come to judge. No. We've come to watch him to see what miracle he will do and what we can be a part of to help. It'll always be a church for the withered. It'll always be a church for the broken. It'll always be a church for the hurting. It will always be the ch a church for the imperfect. It will always be. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. Don't fall for the lies of the enemy. This is a place of healing, place of strength, place of life. Right here today on this Sunday morning, right here on this Sunday morning, I find strength. I find strength to stretch. I find strength to stretch. I stretch today, God, with what's wrong with me.